0: Hello, and welcome to Scrambled. I'm your co-host, Chad Douglas.
1: And I'm Nikki Shields.
0: This is episode 41, Why Threats Don't Work. And when we talk about threats, we're talking about <laughs> threatening your children, but not threatening your children. It's, it's what do I want to say there, uh, therapist Nikki? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> instead of saying, if you don't do this, I'm going to blah, blah, blah.
1: Right. I think when our kids aren't cooperating, I think sometimes our knee-jerk response is like, I'm going to take this away or I'm going to turn your phone off or you can't go to the ball game or the birthday party or the pool or whatever it is they want to do. I've I think it's, it's instinct and it's not super effective most of the time. Now, I'm not going to say it has never worked. I okay. It's important to kind of put out there that sometimes not having access to the thing you want is kind of eye opening to kids, but we're going to dig into this and we're going to talk about how to do it well, when it, when not to do it, and then things you could do instead that are a little more effective than threatening.
0: Okay. I think this is going to be an interesting episode because you're going to have to rewire your brain, parents, teachers, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, because we're both parents. And so we you know, you mentioned uh, take away this, can't go to this, that I, I think I've literally done all of those to my kids mm-hmm. and just been like that at us. So first question, cause you mentioned it oftentimes doesn't work. Why doesn't that kind of language work?
1: So it's, it kind of, it's, it's an action issue and a language issue. So like if, if I, my knee jerk response and my kids aren't cooperating is to say, I'm going to shut your phone off if you don't get up and do the dishes. And I say that 17 times Mm -hmm. and I never shut the phone off.
0: Yeah. It was
1: just, it was a threat. That's all it was. It's an empty threat. Exactly. And so that's not super motivating and kids know, here's the thing, your kids, they learn very quickly how many times you'll say something before smoke starts coming out of your ears. Right. (laughs) And if you give them 37 tries to change their behavior, they're going to take all 37 tries before they change their behavior. And so, you know, the idea of a threat is basically, you know, if you're not going to do it, don't say it. It's a, it's a waste of your energy. I, I hear parents all the time. We're not going to go to McDonald's if you don't straighten up. Well, first of all, I know they're going to McDonald's because nobody wants to cook tonight. Right. Like I know that's their dinner plan. And so let's not say it because your kid knows it's not true either right so so it's the the empty threat part is probably the the biggest problem is if you throw it out there they know when you're going to act on it when you're not
0: you know okay so the empty threats or um just to kind of look at it a different way make sure if you're going to use a threat make sure you can and will deliver on that
1: yep yep if if it's if you're saying i'm going to do x if you don't do why you oh, need algebra. to be? Oh. Yeah, I know math. We, uh, <laughs> but we do need to be able to follow up on the thing. Um, otherwise, it, our words don't have any power. They don't. It's just noise to them, and it doesn't doesn't do anything to change their behavior. And so, I'm not going to say that's the best approach or that you should never do it. I mean, it's, it's instinct, I think, mm-hmm. for most of us. And so it's gonna be in your repertoire unless you you know have have like next level parenting skills that I <laughs> don't have access to. But, <laughs> um, but you gotta be careful about it. So don't threaten you know, world domination and <laughs> you're gonna lose all your privileges till you're 108 because that doesn't mean anything and you can't follow that up anyway. So if you are gonna say, hey, if you don't do this, I'm gonna do this, make sure it's something you can actually control.
0: Right, and I would say with that, make sure again that you can and will take that threat away. But then also think of yourself: is going through on that threat going to hurt you more in the long run?
1: Right. For example, you know? I am not going to say in the car, "If you guys don't stop squealing, I'm going to take away your tablets." Right. I'm not going to do that because the tablets are for the car ride. It's right. the only way we're going to safely, sanely get where we're going in a long trip. So um, I'm not going to threaten something that that. I know is going to cause more problems in the long run, but it doesn't mean I just ignore the behavior and let them do whatever they want because I, you know, don't want them to lose their tablets. We just have to find another way to get their attention and and help them shift their focus.
0: Or like, I'm not going to take you to the ball game. I want to go to the ball game, but now I'm taken away. So now I don't get to go. And so I've, I've wrecked my night as, as well. And, uh, you know, me wanting to go to a sporting event, um, (laughs) threaten me with that all you want. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So let's talk about what we need to do. What Besides threatening language, what, what should we be doing?
1: So a couple of things, and, and I, I already know in advance that I'm going to kind of be all over the place because this, this is a topic that kind of, it bleeds right into the next thing. And then, so just kind of keep me on track. Okay. okay. Make sure that I don't derail too much. So first and foremost, it, it is okay to say, hey, I need you to do this thing. And if, if you don't respond, Here's what I'm going to do. I I use that with teens and preteens all the time. Like, hey, I need you to practice your piano. I'm going to give you five minutes to get in there and get started. If five minutes comes and goes and you haven't done it, I'm going to turn off your phone for the rest of the evening. But I have to stick to that 100%. Like I I can't waver. If I do, nothing's going to change and we're going to keep having the same power struggle. So if you're going to use that, do that. The, The second thing to keep in mind it it's really important to not give your, ch- your, your children like 600 chances to change their actions. If they're doing something you don't want to do, you know, being across the room or the other side of the house, yelling at them to change their behavior for 20 minutes is unlikely to get the response that you want. And that's really hard for busy parents, right? So I'm picturing it. I'm at the sink. I'm doing the dishes. One kid's whining about one thing. The dog needs to go out. There's a million things I need to do before I get to like the quiet part of the evening and I'm yelling at the kid to come help. If I really want a child's assistance or I want them to do something different, I need to stop what I'm doing, walk to them, make the request very calmly before I'm even mad or frustrated, right? And then follow through with it and not allow it to escalate into me being frustrated. Because we start with, Come here you know you call their name come here come here come here and then it like it just it gets to the point where you're you're fuming mad and maybe they're not even hearing you because they've tuned you out 20 times ago um and so the key is to to get their attention on the front end and not make it a an opportunity for them to not comply for a long period of time and
0: as we've talked about in the past when you escalate that's not going to calm down an escalated child. Now, in your scenario, that child had not yet escalated, but I'm guessing if the parent escalates, whoop, that kid's going to come right along with mm-hmm. it. In fact, I could yep. say with pretty good certainty it happens because, speaking from experience, um, <laughs> same. So, and I'm probably going to be all over the place here too with with how we lead the conversation. But so, if you say to the child, "I need you to clean up the dishes or get out of bed, whatever," and it's just not working, and you're calm, calm, calm. What? can you do before you lose your stuff and escalate? Like what's, what's one thing that's, I don't guaranteed to work, huh?
1: (laughs) I wish, I wish I could give you that. (laughs) Uh, My hope is that as we're talking about this, I'll stumble across a couple of little, little gems that I know you can rely on. But the reality is that this stuff is hard to talk about with definitive answers because it's hard to do. Like it is Mm -hmm. very difficult, no matter how kind and sweet and Mary Poppins like you are as a parent, you know, kids don't want to do stuff. Sometimes they don't Mm want to get out of their bed. They don't want to clean up the kitchen. They don't want to do their homework or whatever, brush their teeth, whatever the argument is. And, and the key really is just to like, start there. You know, they don't want to do it you know, they're not interested. It's it's not important to them. They don't understand though, that we also don't really want to do those things. What, what kids, especially I'm going to just focus on teens for a minute, cause it's super relevant to me right now. But <laughs> what teens don't understand is we also don't necessarily enjoy those things. I don't yeah. like to clean the kitchen, but it's, it is a, a thing that just has to be done. And so, you know, they're still in that, like, self-focused stage of development where they're like, well, I don't want to, so I shouldn't have to, they haven't gotten to that adult mindset of like, I got to do things I don't like sometimes and that's okay. So you got to come at it from understanding developmentally. They don't get it. They don't know. They don't know that actually doing three dishes is not that difficult in the scheme of life. They just don't know. And so if you, if you start there, you're less likely to get mad. Because you're like keeping their perspective in mind and you're not taking it personally. That's that's I think tip number two then is not to take it personally. If they're laying in their bed and they're comfortable and they don't want to get up. Well, of course, they don't want to get up has nothing to do with you and your parenting skills. They don't want to get up. So keeping those two things in mind is a really helpful way to start it. But then you kind of got to get obviously people are going to want to more than just keeping those things in mind in order to motivate their kids.
0: What about, it's It's almost like sometimes I find myself threatening to threaten. Like I've actually said to my kids, like, man, I don't want to take away your phone, your Xbox, whatever. But you're making me, that's going to be my next yeah. decision because you're making a poor choice at this moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I actually think that's great. I mean, huh? and I say that, I say that too, like, I don't want to be mean tonight. Like I don't want to have mm-hmm. to take away the thing that you want most. So like, can we just avoid that? Can we do the thing so you can do the thing that you want to do? And sometimes that helps. Sometimes yeah. it's, you know, it's a point of connection that helps them go, okay, all right. I don't want to have a power struggle either, but other times, you know, like they've dug their heels in and it, at that point you just, you have to kind of do the thing. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. We're going to have to turn your phone off because, you know, I asked you three times. And I think parents who who limit how many asks they'll do before they change something um, have a quicker response time. So I know that usually, like when I'm meeting with families, one parent is quicker to respond, quicker to say, OK, fine. You know, then we're not going to do X, Y, Z or this is mine or whatever than the other. And so that parent tends to get more compliance. Right. And it's I mean, this is a tricky subject because it's, it's, is it really about compliance? Or is it about like having like a, a mutually trusting relationship where kids want to do the right thing because you know, they, they care, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really complex, but um really just not giving them 50,000 tries, you know, it is important, but for things like you mentioned, getting out of bed, that's hard, whether it's from a nap or whether it's first thing in the morning. Some kids just have a really hard time with that. And by some kids, I mean some adults. Um, and by some adults, I mean me. Um, some people aren't wired to be up early. And, and you know, the idea is to, to just cooperate and make as many good decisions as you can. So as an adult, you have a little more say over what time you get out of bed in the morning. But when you're a kid, there really just isn't a lot of choice. School starts when school starts. And so part of it is having a healthy routine. Or they're going to bed at a good time and addressing any sleep issues that might be there. And then um, trying to figure out how to make the morning maybe a little more enticing to kids. Like, you know, is it they don't want to get up because it's dark they don't want to get up because it's cold. They don't want to get up because mom and dad are gruff and grumpy, you know.
0: All of the above.
1: Same. (laughs) It's like that for me, too. But really, you know, working with them, what would help you to get, we've had that conversation. What would help you want to get up out of your bed better in the morning, since it's something you have to do anyway, given that this is the reality we're living in, what would help you? And sometimes just kind of putting that parameter on it, like given this reality, given this situation, you know, they, they then can think, oh, okay, well, I guess it would help if, and that does make a difference. Um, but you have to be willing then if you're, if you're talking with your kids and you're getting their feedback, you have to be willing to try their ideas, yeah. right? Like we bought our one of our kids an alarm clock. She wanted one of those annoying alarm clocks that like physically moves itself across the room, like it rolls off the nightstand and across the room and makes this horrible squawking sound that makes me want to leave.
0: Is there the a, such a thing as a non-annoying alarm clock?
1: No, they're all very annoying, but this one's mobile. Okay. And so that's particularly irritating. But so I didn't, she was like, I would do that. I would get up because that would be funny and I would love to go chase it. And I was like, no, you won't. No, you won't. So she gave me a really good idea and then I didn't act on it. You know, and so then I wonder why she just won't get out of bed in the morning.
0: So you don't have one of these alarm clocks?
1: We did eventually get one. Okay. I don't. I can't figure out how to program it. Uh, you know? <laughs> so I'm. You're a techie. Could you help me with that? Sure. Um, but for a long time we didn't get one, and she would be like, "Well, I told you what would help me get out of bed, and mm. you know," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I really didn't honor that conversation." So of course that really didn't inspire you to want to do something different. So that's important. Sure. If you're going to get their feedback, apply it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's fair. And it might work great, and it might not. So then you can yes. revisit it and, and just to hammer that um, point home a little bit. Having that conversation of what is going to help. It's we know it's a problem. We understand. I'm going to justify it's hard for you to get out of bed or to brush your teeth or whatever. Uh, I still I don't get me on that tangent of why kids don't like to brush their teeth. It's just so gross. Um, <laughs> but having that conversation and, and saying I get it, I understand. However, I've got to get to work at a certain time. You've got to get to school at a certain time what's going to work for all mm-hmm. of us
1: and and the important part there is to have the conversation not in the morning when you're yeah. all running late and everybody's no. you have to have this conversation at a time when everybody's kind of in their front brain and thinking clearly and and not you know set off by some other little irritant and um you're more likely to get really good ideas there and so oftentimes i mean with our 14 year old there's lots and lots of revisiting hey you know when i need your help clean up the kitchen, or when I want you to get up out of your bed after a quick nap, or when I need, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to call your name a hundred times. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, so we revisit that all the time and and look for ideas, but sometimes we have to just kind of be the bad guy. You know, like on the fourth time, even this evening, (laughs) she had fallen asleep after school, which we are okay with because Mm -hmm. teenagers need a lot of sleep. And Mm -hmm. so um, we get home, dinner's on the table. It's time to eat. And I've called you four times. I've gone in there. I've talked to you nicely. I've done all the things that I'm supposed to do as a parent and you aren't responding. So now your phone's off and that's a bummer. But maybe tomorrow night when, you know, I ask you to get up and come to dinner, you won't have such a hard time with that because last night was kind of boring because your phone was off. Right. And so I had to follow through and I probably gave her more chances than I should have. Um, and so that's maybe something I'll think about in the future is okay. I'll ask twice and then I'm going to take action.
0: And that's what I was going to ask because you alluded to don't tell them, don't give them 30,000 chances. What, what do you recommend then as a therapist of, of going, I'm going to give this, and again, communicate that with your child, you're going to get 10 chances, five chances two, whatever. What do you recommend?
1: the fewer, the better. So okay. if it's, you know, there are reasons why kids sometimes can't process. So if she's in her room and my first request is from across the house, okay, that to me doesn't count because it's very possible she doesn't hear it. If she's got her earbuds in or, you know, whatever, she may not know. So um, you you want your first attempt to be like as face-to-face as possible, as clear as possible. Um, and then really not much more than one or two or three. Like, and again, if you've got a kid with inattention, you've got a kid who, you um, has a hard time transitioning from one, one activity to another, you know, you might have to have to make it more like the three uh, chances. But I really think, you know, if you're willing to take action, you, you can very quickly shorten the number of times it takes because they know, Hey, she's going to say it twice. And then that phone's off. Yeah. Or she's going to say it twice and I don't get to go to the basketball game. Right. Yeah. So I think the fewer, the better. If you're a 17 or 20 time parent, you, you know, like, Experiment with it. But like, I will tell you, if you change your response, they're going to do things to seek the same response. So if you after two tries, are like, okay, well, you don't get to do the thing. They're, they're gonna, you know, up the ante and they're, they're going to be really, really interested in, um, (laughs) <laughs> talking with you about how they feel about this because they maybe didn't see it coming or they're like oh well if i just push hard enough she'll she or he will give in um so their behavior may escalate in response to a change in w- your action um, but that's kind of part of part of that behavior change process that it, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong it just means this is different and they don't not, they don't like it so yeah. it's it's nice if they're older kids to be able to kind of warn them hey i'm only going to give you two chances and i know that's unusual that's a change but that, just two just so you know
0: Don't you think that works with younger kids too? Mm
1: -hmm. As long
0: as you're up front, like I'm going to give you two chances and then then we're done. We're going to get a consequence.
1: Yep. Yep. And I think with younger kids, you want it to even be like a little more concrete, like, okay, I'm going to ask you one time you know, I've asked you once, you didn't listen, I'm going to ask you one more time. And if I have to ask you one more time after that, we're going to, you know, whatever, that, that wasn't super smooth right there, but you get the idea that they're younger and you've said it one time. If you really want them to be good at like listening to your directives, you, you want them to know, Hey. I'm going to say it again. And that's the last time I'm going to say it before we have a consequence. And, you know, it's, it's hard because I, I think so often we think of like discipline and punishment and how do we show kids that their behavior wasn't right. And, I I do think there need to be consequences like natural consequences are are super important. Uh, But I also think that we can put some other things, we can kind of flip it on its head and um, create incentives for kids to want to do the right thing. And so um, a really recent example for us is I, I noticed my teenager had a series of tardies on her attendance record at school. And I was looking through and I'm like, what is going on here? Like, just we don't care about getting to class on time. Like, what is this? So I was asking her questions. I didn't go with the "What are these all about?" You know, I I started. Well, well, tell me more. Like, what class was this? And why were you running late? And do you remember what happened? And and it just what it came down to is just she kind of gotten, you know, what's the word, lax on that because mm-hmm. it, it, she it just showed up on a record. And it didn't really hurt her. She just got to the class when she got to the class and did the thing, and nobody was saying anything about it. So it really didn't register as like a major issue. And I thought, well. I'm late to a lot of things. So who am I to talk? But uh, maybe this is an opportunity to like help her set a goal and work toward a goal. So um, what we said was, you know, every for every five school days that you don't have um, a tardy you know, I'm willing to to purchase one of the items off your wish list because she's got kind of like an ongoing wish list and it's clothing, it's things she needs. You know, it's it's stuff that we eventually would have bought anyway. Uh, but this way, she feels like she's having to work for it a little bit. And so I tell you what, she hasn't had a single tardy in the last two weeks, and all because there was some incentive. So if I had said, "Hey, another tardy, and you're losing your phone this weekend," I don't feel like it would have um, been something she's that interested in. I think she would have probably worked on not having tardies, but it, there wouldn't have been the same motivation for it. And so anyway, I, that's that's kind of flipping it on its head. It's not all about discipline and punishment. It's also about kind of like working hard and earning things and setting goals.
0: And, and rewarding the good behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. Noticing when things go well.
0: It's kind of like Dale Carnegie says um, in his popular book, and it's like, you catch somebody doing something right. Mm-hmm. And Tell them, but especially with kids, if, if rewarding. And we had a similar experience when my uh, son was younger and it was rewarding. His therapist was saying, you know, develop. He, she gave us several different options, but we chose to do behavior box. And my wife found a little template and we printed off 476 million behavior box. And it was like, anytime he does something good, reward him. And at first it's reward, 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 reward. And then as the time goes on, you kind of back off because they're starting to learn that brushing your teeth, see, I'm stuck on that, is part of your daily routine. But by gosh, if he does it the first or second time when we ask behavior buck. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the week, at the end of the month, he's got so many and he, he could pick off a list of things. Some of the things were prizes at the store. Some of them were experiences. Hey, it's lunch with dad. He never mm-hmm. picked that. So it's, <laughs> it's just a matter of, of thinking outside the box sometimes. And, and like I said, at the beginning of the episode, rewiring your brain because instinctively you want to punish, but it's, if you mm-hmm. reward the good behavior, it, it works. I mean, we've done it. It works. It
1: makes a big difference. And I think it changes our perspective too. I mean, if I we had a daycare provider writer once and um, this was a particularly rough time of toddlerhood and, and it seemed like if I came in frazzled and dropped my kiddo off and, Oh, it's been such a rough morning, and she's stubborn, and blah blah blah. She'd have a bad day, but if I came in, I was like, "Oh, we had such a fun morning. We were playing games, and we were talking, and she's just been so sweet." She would have a better day, and huh. I and I I almost think that just like our focus as adults, um, is so easily influenced by what's going on around us, and if we can kind of put some energy into highlighting what is going really well. Like my kid might talk back to me or, um, you know, do something I don't particularly like. But when I think about it, like, okay, well, we're getting good grades and, you know, we're, we are helpful to others and we, you know, like, it's, it's, it's easier to focus on the things that are going well, if you really train your brain to do that. And so systems like what you're talking about, reward systems or token economies, those kinds of things really kind of help you to think that way. And a lot of times, if I'm talking with parents about this kind of thing, you know, I, I, I tell them to use a, a version of that. Um, but just for a little bit, because if nothing else, it's training for your brain, right? You're, you're getting in the habit of going, huh, My kid does do a lot of really good things and it is easier to focus on that and celebrate those things than to get tangled up in these things that aren't going so well. And if you pair that with, you know, the mindset that we've been sort of pushing this whole time, which is kids aren't done developing and they don't have it all figured out and they're missing some skill sets. And so they're going to misbehave and they're going to, you know, say disrespectful things and they're going to make mistakes we just know that because that's where they are developmentally. So then when we're focused on the good, it just, it just makes it easier. And so, um, if, and if i like to think about it in the adult world too. So if every time I make a mistake at work, somebody comes in and like takes my office supplies, like, okay, <laughs> you use the wrong report again, Nikki. So I'm going to take your stapler. Okay. Maybe if you do a really good job, okay. I'll bring your stapler back in a couple of weeks. If you, if you can earn that privilege back and like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I. Just go get a different stapler, you know, like that's, that's how kids work, you know, like if I can't have my phone or I can't have the, I'll find something else to do. None of that teaches a skill. Hmm. And so when we can set, like, I would rather my child learn this, this like not being late thing and focus on how to not be tardy to class, then worry about whatever consequence she's going to get for being tardy. And so by, by taking that out of it and looking like, Hey, if you do the right thing, you get something you want. She's now learning the benefit of being on time, which I clearly can't teach her.
0: <laughs> That's what the the dad's for, right? That's right. Um, I I want to talk a little bit about, it seems like a lot of this advice is very generic, but not in a bad way to any kind of parent would be a good thing. Let's hone in a little bit on someone who has a mental health condition like anxiety or ADHD, um, OCD. And what kind of, what kind of approach do we need to take for that? If you don't have, you know, two episodes ago or three episodes ago, we talked about poor executive functioning skills. If you have a kiddo that doesn't have great executive functioning skills, I think it's going to be a little different. Mm
1: yeah and and this is where you have to again know your kid, but it might be maybe four chances before behavior changes mm-hmm. um you maybe you have to extend that a little bit to to accommodate like can this child focus is are they seeing and hearing you, or do you have their attention and maybe it takes three tries to get their attention before they can even process what you're saying. I've met a lot of kiddos with auditory processing difficulties where they hear what you're saying, like they hear the words right, but they can't process what they're hearing what what like what's happening, what they're being asked to do and so they maybe they hear every third word or maybe they oh. hear it and they need more time to figure out what you just said. And so if you've got a child with any kind of you know emotional or behavioral or learning disability, all of these strategies that we're, we're talking about in general, you may have to modify for that child. It may, it may take a little bit more. You might have to be a little calmer or a little more patient or a little bit more like aware of your tone or whatever. Uh, if you've got a child that, that tends to be oppositional, you know, they're going to be very like impacted by the tone of voice that you take if you're sounding frustrated or angry that may set off some oppositional behavior and you might think you're sounding kind and gentle but it might actually be coming off as rushed or frustrating which reminds me if you've got a child with anxiety and you come at them in a hurry like we have to hurry we have to get out the door we're gonna be late Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. just only going to escalate their anxiety Mm -hmm. in a way that they're now not thinking with the front of their brain and so you're not going to get compliant cooperative behavior you're going to get meltdown or shutdown behavior and so any sort of mental health condition emotional difficulty, learning problem, all of that stuff is just gonna compound the challenge that's in it for parents, but these same strategies still work. You just have to kind of look at it through the lens of your child and and what, you know, what do you need to do to modify it to make it work?
0: My kid came to me just today and he's like, I think I have a problem with my ear. And I went, duh, yeah. <laughs> not so much the hearing, it's the listening part you have the problem with. <laughs> that's the issue. So how far do we go with this? I would say both parents have to be on the same page right? Mm-hmm. Whether, whether you're in the same household or not. So that's a conversation. Um, I would think school has to be in on this as well. Mm-hmm. But then how far else do you go if you've got, you know, a seven, eight week baseball season, you've got music lessons, you've got Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, how much conversation do you, do you have to have with other adults in this child's life?
1: so that depends entirely on where you're seeing the issues right so okay. i you know like our tardy issue that we're working on now that's not something we're talking with grandparents about we're not we're not even exploring that with the teachers my hope is they'll notice that she's getting this class on time and, you know, she'll, she'll be rewarded by, by their positive approaches to her as well as whatever item she earns by doing this. Um, but if the, the behavior, like say the behavior is taking place in the classroom, um, and you're, you're having the child work, you know, on some kind of incentive plan or, or reward stem or whatever you're doing to try to help with that behavior you definitely want, you know, the teachers to be like a little bit aware of what you're trying to do um, so that they don't unintentionally undermine what you're doing. Because I I think that can happen, you know, grandparents, relatives, babysitters, teachers, anybody else that's in that child's life can accidentally undermine your goal if they're not aware. So it, it depends on where it's taking place, where the issue is and how much support the child needs to carry out the thing. So like if my 14-year-old was a nine-year-old and was showing up to class late, I might want the school to be involved with that because there's something else going on that's keeping her from getting to class on time at that age. And she's going to need some support in order to be successful with that goal. Um, Whereas at 14, she ought to be kind of responsible for that piece. So Mm -hmm. it depends on the age too. But um, I, I believe that, you know, figure out what, what the goal is, what the missing skill is, what the obstacle is, and then, you know, enlighten the other adults in their lives to the extent that they can be supportive.
0: Okay. How do you explain to someone who might say, well, you're just entitling your child if you're always giving them prizes or, or giving them good things, paying for stuff?
1: Right. Well, so I would, I would make two points with that. I mean, if, if giving you're not, you're not bribing, right? You're not handing them something and saying, Hey, I gave you this. So now I need you to be good. Right. It's they're learning to work for stuff. And I tell you what, Mm -hmm. I'm a grown person and I work for stuff. I want new things and I work hard so I can get new things. Right. So I don't know that that's a dysfunctional approach that you work for stuff. And, and it's not always things like sometimes it's privileges. You know, I work really hard so I can take a week off or I work really hard so I can, Buy an item that I want, or I work really hard for to do something with my family. Like that, that's actually kind of how things work. And so, teaching kids to work hard for something that they want, I don't think is a really bad thing. You want to be careful though that it isn't a bribe. Like, don't give your child something and say, "Okay, because I gave you this, you need to be on time to Mm -hmm. class every day." Like that—that's not how earning works. That's that's just bribery. Uh, You also. The rewards, the things that they can earn for doing the right stuff, whether it's a behavior box system or it's like a like a, a longer term, like wish that they want, um, that gradually you increase it. So like you said, when you use the behavior box, it was reward, reward, reward. Like every time you saw anything good, you'd give one. But as that system went on, my guess is you reduced the frequency that you rewarded him and made it a little more challenging to get one. So they had to kind of step up a level, right? And so that's the thing is, you know, if I start a job and in the first six months I've achieved all my goals, well, I can't get a raise, you know, a year later for doing those same goals. Like the the, the challenge is going to keep increasing, and we should do that with our kids too, um, keep keep it going. Because again, it's about building skill and confidence too. That's the other thing is, if her confidence is up because she's mom, I haven't been tardy in seven days. Can you believe it? That's a way better conversation than, you know, you took my phone again. I was tardy to, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just better.
0: And just to echo, uh, not necessarily advice I gave, but just the Dale Carnegie thing of catch them doing something good. And that's even if it's just a compliment, like Mm -hmm. who doesn't like a good compliment? Hey, that was a nice job on that, on that paper or, Hey, I see you were, you were on time to class today. That's great. Mm Mm-hmm. Just to say something nice.
1: Yeah. And I was going to add a little something um, related to your question before, like like you have a baseball game weeks in advance that made me think of with kids, you kind of need to know the time span that they can work within, right? So when I was deciding on this reward system for tardies, I was like, okay, so 14 years old, a little bit of trouble with inattention and organization how far out can I put the goal post mm-hmm. and have her still want to work for it. So we started at five days because that's a that's a school week. And I thought, okay, if we can do that consistently for maybe two or three weeks, then we can increase it. So now it's you know for every two weeks and then for every three weeks and then for every month or whatever. But I had to start where I knew she could see the goal and work toward it because if it was okay, I want you to be not tardy to any class for this entire quarter uh you know, yeah, we'd already be back in Tardyville. Yeah. So you have to you have to know your kid. And so if you need them to be quiet for five minutes so that, you, you know, you just you have to give them a time frame that they understand and could work with. And the younger they are, the, the smaller their focus and attention can be. So you, you don't say I need you to be good for a whole week so you can have a birthday party in a month. Right? that's that they can't compute that.
0: Yeah. Um, one other thing with the behavior bucks too is, is if you have multiple kids in the house, you kind of got to do it for everybody. Even if you've got mm-hmm. one kiddo who has the, the ADHD or or anxiety or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, we did that in our house and like one of the kids became like a multimillionaire. Uh, real quick.
1: (laughs) Well, and and that came up with this with this recent um, tardy situation, too. Well, I want to earn stuff. Okay, well, what's a goal you want to work on? You know, it wasn't like because, they're you know, this kid isn't tardy to class. So that was not we're not going to apply the same thing, but we can still have a reward system in place for something you want. I mean, and for a while. okay, Grown up here, like I said. But uh, for every, you know, seven days that I follow my wellness things, I buy myself something. Right. Because that motivates me like that gets me to do the things I don't want to do. And so I, I just, I don't think there's anything wrong with teaching people to work hard towards a goal. You you just, you want to be cautious that it's, you're not setting goals I can't achieve, right? Because then that like actually has a, you know, bad impact or a, a counter productive impact because now they're feeling bad. Um, you don't want to brag. You don't want to feel like anytime you've given your child something and you feel gross about it, you feel mm-hmm. like, Ugh, you know, then you're probably didn't use it appropriately. It's probably become more of a bribe than, um, than a than an earning kind of situation.
0: Going back a little bit in the episode where we talked about the threats and making sure that you deliver on the threat, make sure you can deliver on it. Mm-hmm. If you don't, can you then go back the next time and learn from your mistakes, or or is the damage done? The kid's gonna be like. Pfft mom or dad doesn't mean that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 we all have, I, mean, I can't find a single parent that has never made an idle threat or made a threat and then didn't, didn't, carry it out in a way that was effective. Oh, and I've think, made
0: some pretty harsh threats and I've, <laughs> I've carried through. And then my better half steps in is like, okay, you're being unreasonable.
1: We, we have to correct this, yeah. but I, you can always correct. I mean, you know, as long as no one's um, like, no one's harmed, you truly right. can correct on situations. And I've had lots of times where I'm like, you know what? I said that, in, you know, kind of a, like an escalated state of mind. I said that, that came from here. And I'll, I'll tell my kids, I'll tap on the back of my head. That came from here. And when I want to see things get better, I need to come up with solutions. And that comes from here. And I'll, I'll put my hand on the front of my forehead because I want them to understand this their states of mind too. And threats are made from your brainstem. Threats hmm. are made from, I don't feel in control of this situation and I need to do and say whatever I can to regain control, right? And that's that's not going to get you anywhere. Right. You need you need behavior change to come from your frontal lobe and your child's frontal lobe. And so, you know, if you are feeling like I'm going to you know, I'm going to make a threat, and, and we're not talking about life threatening things. We're not talking about threatening to harm your kids physically. We're talking about like threatening their privileges or threatening some kind of a consequence for a behavioral issue. Um, If you're in that mode, you need to recognize that you're a little bit, you know, a little bit escalated too. And if you really want to see a change, you need to back up from that. So to answer your question, absolutely. I can say, gosh, you know what? I said that if you didn't do X, Y, and Z, I was going to, you know, you weren't going to get to do anything this weekend or you were going to lose your phone for three weeks. And you know what? I said that from this part of my brain. And where do you, and so then I'll quiz them. What part of my brain do you think I should have used to help solve this problem? No, no, this one, mom, you know, and they'll roll their eyes. Um, but so you, but, and I can say, I'm sorry, you know, I was reactive. I was frustrated. I had a really hard time staying calm. And so that's, that's where my brain went, but I realized that that's not super effective. So let's talk about this. What can we do instead? You know, and so you can correct, you can apologize. You can go backwards. The, the thing you can't do, and my mom taught me this is like, if you have issued a consequence, if you're like, you can't go to the dance because mm-hmm. of this choice, you can't really renege on that. Like you can't, you can't say, I've changed my mind. It wasn't that big of a deal, if you truly want them to learn that lesson. Right. Like there there's there's something to be said for sometimes they have to deal with unpleasant stuff. Like that's, that's kind of part of life. Um, and, but so that's where, if you're not sure, if you're like, Oh, was that too, too, too knee jerk? Usually your, your co-parent is going to have some feedback <laughs> and they're going to be able to help you identify like, did I go too far? You know, it, is this something we can modify or do we need to stick with it? Because we really need to learn this one.
0: All right. Well, it's as we often do get a few takeaways from this.
1: Well, so don't give your kids nine thousand chances to change their behavior.
0: Okay.
1: Um, don't make threats from your brainstem, right? <laughs> you wanna, you want to offer incentive. You want to create solutions. You want to have conversations, and you want that to take place in your frontal lobe. And you want your child to be in that state of mind as well. Something This is is like new information in the conclusion, which in English class I learned you're not supposed to introduce new information in the conclusion, Chad. So I'm breaking that rule. But uh, the thing to keep in mind is that if your child has done something that you don't want them to do or they have not cooperated with you and you are now issuing threats or you're lecturing them or you're telling them what they did wrong, they're not listening. They're not learning. Like they're, they're probably escalated too, and they have to be in their frontal lobe to learn from their choices. And so if you're issuing a threat from your brainstem, they're probably in their brainstem too. And so there's really no learning going on and you're going to have the same problem again very, very soon because nothing's going to change. And reward. Yes. Reward and incentive are are powerful, the, uh, setting goals and helping kids to work towards those goals. The goals can be, I want to go this many days without doing this, or I want to do this and I want to earn this. Those kinds of things can happen. Um, kids' self-esteem can be benefited by having that kind of opportunity and working towards a goal and achieving it.
0: And a lot of schools have a reward system where you're... Mm-hmm. Rewarded with those kind of behavior bucks and then you can go to like the trading post or whatever and and buy some stuff or buy some experiences. I really like the experiences part of that. So it's not something tangible, but it's, it's good quality time. Yeah, with, you get
1: to have lunch yeah. with the teacher or you get to, you know, I, I think that's, and so sometimes those kind of rewards at home, like you said, maybe your kid didn't choose, you know, doing something with dad, but it can be, we'll play a game or we'll go to the park or we'll do, you know, mm-hmm. depending on the age of your child and their interests, you could, you could make these all about experiences rather than, I think I was really stuff focused as we talked about it. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of where my kids are age wise, but, but experiences are very powerful and, and using that to, to earn opportunities is, is much better than losing privileges.
0: Yeah. And I think the, the one thing that really stuck in my brain from what you said was we all go to our jobs and we work for something, whether it's that paycheck or you've set your goal to, to vacation or to buy a new computer or an iPad or phone or whatever.
1: <laughs> Are you suggesting I need new technology still? Is that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But it's like we're incentivized in adult life. Mm-hmm. so I don't see anything wrong with the kids yeah. doing the same thing. That really stuck with me. Even taking it a step further and going into the, to the workplace, if you do something uh, wrong or incorrect, you make a mistake, hopefully you've got a manager that's going to coach you and go, okay, mm-hmm. this was a mistake. Let's learn from it. Here's what you could have done. But I, we've all probably had someone who's not, and they're going to come in with that kind of language of, mm-hmm. of threatening, making you feel bad, not motivating you to do a better job. They're making you feel badly about yourself. So it's kind of the same way from parent to child of coaching your child to be mm-hmm. a, a good quality adult in a few Yeah. You
1: know, yeah. And I think we've probably all had, like, you know, kind of crummy employment experiences where threats were kind of the, you know, if you can't perform at this level, you're going to, you're going to lose pay or you're going to have your hours cut. But when you have a, like a different experience where it's like, Hey, you know, I I see you're struggling to hit this goal. You know, what can we do to help you? What do you think is going to help you be more successful in that? Like coaching language that goes a long way to to help adults. And so we have fully developed brains and that's what we need. Why?
0: Well, some of us do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Most, many, yeah. I don't know, some of us have fully developed rights. But like for children, like why wouldn't they also benefit from that kind of language? Right. Uh, you know, threats threats just aren't that educational. Threats are just somebody's angry and frustrated with you. And that that does very little to teach you. So mm. I think that would be my main take home.
0: One more piece of parental advice I guess I can give, because we've talked a lot about taking away the phone, something that we have done, because I swear that's the only thing that that works, right? If you don't do this, I'm taking your phone, blah, blah, blah boom, done. What we've done is instead of taking the phone, because sometimes that's helpful to us and to the mm-hmm. child is you're going to lose a half hour screen time after mm-hmm. school. And so yep. then you stay to it and they lose that half hour screen time. And then the next day they're going to be like, eh, that kind of stunk that half hour, or we're going to take away an hour. So you just kind of do that stair step it. Yeah.
1: Smaller increments are better. And I think with the phone too, we struggle to implement um, that as a, as a lost privilege for, as a consequence, because our kids are home by themselves sometimes. And so yeah. we need them to have their phones. We right. don't have a landline anymore. Like they, they need these to communicate with us. And so it's hard for me to take that away. Now they're there. We talked about this in previous episodes, but you can, you can set limits. So they only have mm-hmm. access to certain apps and that kind of thing. Um, but taking it away for like, you're going to, you know, we're going to shut it off a half hour early tonight, you know, before, before bed, um, that's your cuts with that's okay too. But like, you can also flip that on its side. And if you haven't yet introduced screen time to your kids, look at it in terms of earning it from the get-go. If they know that like good behavior and, and solid choices lead to them, um, getting more screen time, then then that's a great way to use that as an incentive rather than a consequence. And, and there's room for both. Like we, we, I mean, there's natural consequences in everyday life and there's also incentive in everyday life. And so we just, as we parent, we have to kind of bounce back and forth between what is most effective for our kids at this time.
0: And just throwing this out there, um, you don't have to have a smartphone for a kid. They make regular phones that call mm-hmm. and text and that's it. That's not wide open space to the internet. So just so
1: that will be my next threat. If you don't do those dishes, I'm going to get you a basic smartphone (laughs) without the internet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, I don't think that's going to work well for you. (laughs) Well, that's going to wrap up episode 41 on our next episode, episode 42. We're going to talk about the importance of giving yourself a mental health checkup. As always, we invite you to interact with us on Facebook. Um, you know, we beg and plead for uh, good reviews. We've had some great reviews in the past. It's been a hot second since we've gotten a new one. So, if we, you know, if you feel so uh, moved to do so on Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review the Scramble Podcast. We do appreciate it. It really, really does help. Our whole goal in starting this podcast was to start a conversation, and that conversation continues with you.